thank you for listening to Finding Your Brilliance. I'm your host, Catherine Kui, and today I am talking with Ryan Mayer, who is a mindset and accountability coach. I met Ryan when I was presenting this year at CHAD's conference, and CHAD stands for Children and Adults with Attention Deficit Disorder. And I had the luxury of presenting and talking about cultivating brilliance in middle schoolers. And all of a sudden I'm scrambling around to get ready for the talk. And this person (laughs) joins me who is so joyous, Ryan Mayer, who is my moderator. And many things within about three or four minutes happen one of which my son walked by and who the book I wrote is about, and his name is Will. So Ryan and Will were chatting and Ryan is saying really funny things. They both are just keying off of each other. It was a wonderful moment. And I'm so happy to get to have Ryan here to talk with us today. We talk with me. Yeah. Well, Dr. Quee, it's an honor to be here. And I had so much fun helping to moderate your session for the conference. And for anyone who's listening, if you haven't had a chance to check out the conference, it is life-changing. I remember the first time I went to the conference two years ago, and it was honestly, I know we're going to be focusing a lot on ADHD today, and it was the first time that I ever felt truly understood. So if you, whether you're listening to this for a child of yours or for yourself, you have to check out the International ADHD Conference. And, you know, I feel the same way. This year, after founding a business based on ADHD, it felt even more like coming home. And I don't even have ADHD. For me, I'm around so many people who do. And Ryan, when you started your quick, quick thinking and playfulness and engaging with my son and the conference was on a Friday. And so Ryan is saying, this is actually going to be a great Friday because there's a scene in my book about a really lousy Friday. And so Ryan is like clicking on all gears. (laughs) I don't in my normal, when I'm working with neurotypicals, have that experience of like that rapid firing. And it is something that in that conference, There were so many people who were professionals and Ryan who were professionals with ADHD, the pediatrician Mm -hmm. that did her talk, the psychiatrists, Dr. Rady, all of the people. So, I I mean, that's what I wrote my last blog about was basically just saying to people, go, it, you know, I wove in, you got to go to this conference. Yeah, you have to. And, And I agree with you, the people that are there, it's such a dynamic group of folks because you You see people on all ranges across the spectrum of ADHD. Everyone is just so welcoming and so caring and understanding. And my favorite part is that you can never run late to a session because they hardly ever start on time anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I did not have a chance to talk with you at all other than really just very quickly. And Mm -hmm. I still haven't to gather more from you about your beginning in this whole ADHD world. And so I am very curious about you as a person, as a younger person. I mean, I'm thinking, Ryan, you're probably like way younger. You're probably maybe you're maybe 28 or something, maybe. Well, I'm glad that I had the, um, the, there's a Zoom feature that can touch up your image. So I did that ahead of time. Um, and I use great moisturizer. So uh, <laughs> oh, it turns out that I'm 35 and a half. 
Um, wow, you're 35 mm -hmm. and a half, which is kind of rude to ask someone their age, but honestly, I'm, I'm more trying to get the gist of just, okay, where are you on this yeah, totally. developmental trajectory here? And I think, honestly, I, I don't, first of all, I don't mind saying my age, and I think it's really important because as I kind of share my story a little bit, it, it is really interesting how certain things unfolded through different chapters. So I'll start by telling a story about my mom. She has always said that Ryan has never met a stranger mm. and that I've always had, I'm using air quotes in case this is just audio, but the gift of gab, I was always comfortable talking with my friend's parents and teachers and things like that. And it just came naturally to me throughout uh, younger grade school. I did really well. And one of the reasons for that was I'm the oldest. So this was, mm before my siblings really had any type of schoolwork to do. So what we would do is, just because we didn't know any better, but my mom would open our, my textbook. So I'm thinking of social studies, which was like my subject back in the day. And she would read the chapters and I could see the pictures in my mind. And so when she would read those, whenever I would take the test, I just kind of recalled the mental movie that I had recorded as my mom had read me the books spoiler alert, not knowing that it was because I was an auditory processor um, and that I would have trouble reading on my own. We just didn't know. Like I knew how to read. I did really well. So I was in like the gifted and talented group and things like that. But then that thing called pre-algebra, algebra, algebra came in <laughs> and just totally blindsided me because all of a sudden creating images in my mind, like it didn't work anymore oh. because I couldn't understand, like we're doing square roots and we're, you know, multiplying things times themselves and all. And it was just these abstract concepts that my brain didn't really understand. Right around that same time, my younger brother, who is six years younger than me, was at the point where he started needing my mom's help with homework at night. Okay. And so what would happen, I can still kind of see this like a dramatic recreation of it, but I sort of go in to uh, the kitchen, you know, for homework, but I, I went in and I'm just going to do a little, a demo here. You should. I love it. So here's my textbook. Not yes. really, but so I go in and I'm like, okay, mom, you're like, I'm ready to study now. <laughs> and she's like, oh, Ryan, I'm sorry, but you know, like, your brother needs me, you know, you're in seventh grade, you just go read it yourself and, and go like, do your homework. And I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what? we're a team, mom. What? but mom, I've done so well. Um, so anyway, I go up to my room and uh, proceed to play video games for quite a while. And then she calls up and says, Hey, you know, how's your homework? I'm like, Oh, uh, fine. And then, you know, a while later, Hey, is your homework done? No. Well, have you started it? No. And so right there, right around seventh grade is where the guilt and shame started to come into play. I'm so glad you're talking about that. And still, we didn't know that I had ADHD. It was just like, okay, like, like any kid, I'd rather play video games than do homework. Like that's pretty standard. But as time went on in, in math and then in reading, I just really started struggling. So not only was I taken out of the gifted and talented program, but I was going to math tutoring now, trying to, to um, get by. To be honest, I was really confused because I'm like, wait, like 
I used to be dominating this and now I just can't quite get traction. So I fought my way through it and like parents were very supportive and everything. And then went on to high school. When I was in high school, uh, again, I was getting very uh, intensive math tutoring. So I'd, I can still remember my mom would drive me to school and take me in early. And I was like best friends with my math tutor. Mrs. Oh, of course you were. Mrs. Allen. She was the greatest. Um, I tried to track her down just because like that woman like got me through high school. So I'd be there just trying to figure these concepts out. And it was just so hard math all the time. Meanwhile, English and things like that, uh, religion, no problem. Um, it was just when it got to the numbers, I really struggled. The other thing that I think of when I think of high school and like my ADHD journey was I played sports and I really enjoyed, uh, the camaraderie and I enjoyed just, you know, as Dr. Cui was saying earlier about like just the quick, um, Mm -hmm. quick wittedness. And I think that that plays really well in sports where, you have to judge a situation, make very quick decisions on like, who are you going to pass to, or are you going to jump or are you going to spin or whatever? Um, so I always enjoyed sports, but what was funny was my mom, again, it's my mom or my dad, whatever, but whenever I'd come out of the locker room, I would almost always be the last one out. Yeah. And she would say, what are you doing in there? Like all your friends come out of the locker room. What are you doing in there? So for whatever reason with my ADHD, it's just kind of like overwhelming to try to like gather all of my things together to like have them in their certain spots in a locker that all came from a bag and, you know, certain things are kind of tactile and almost like an OCD tendency of like, I have to have my things in certain places. Um, And I'm like, I don't know, mom, I'm getting dressed, you know? And the, and then that sort of, also took place in the classroom where I had a lot of test anxiety, um, as you can imagine, uh, with math. Yeah. And, and, but even in the subjects I, I did well in, what I didn't understand was how in the world, whereas I'm so quick in conversation, it was the opposite in the classroom when taking a test because it was like everyone else was on fast forward. If you've ever just like watched something in like three, t- two times speed, going fast. <laughs> And I'm sitting there like, Ryan Mayer. <laughs> um, and people would be like already up turning in their test. Wow. I'm like, what the heck? How did they do that? Um, so I was always the last to finish test. And I just figured, well, I'm a slow test taker. Yeah. So finally, around my junior year of high school, I went, we finally got me tested for ADHD. And I said, well, here's the thing, doc. I, I really, like my personality makes me who I am. And I, I, the last thing I want to do is go on to meds that are going to make me into some kind of zombie. Right. And I can still remember this really clearly. She said, Ryan, let me ask you a question. If you were not able to see clearly, like if you were sitting in class, you couldn't see the, the dry erase board. Would you get glasses, get a prescription for glasses? I'm like, well, yeah, obviously like I, I would need to see the board. And she's like, okay. This prescription is like glasses for your brain. Yeah. And at that moment, I was like, oh, got it. So I have been on stimulant medication ever since high school. Um, and I can still remember the first time I ever took uh, a stimulant. I had never been, a, I still remember I, it was during baseball season. So I like had my mitt with me 
And normally I needed that to have like a fidget thing oh, by me. Uh-huh. And normally I, you know, have you know, a whole bunch of different things that would distract me. But for the first time in my whole life, I sat down, I opened the book, I read what I needed to read, I opened my computer, I typed a paper, I hit save and print. And I was like, <laughs> wow. So that's how it's supposed to go. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You had such a positive experience with the medication. It, it was like, uh, unlike anything I'd ever seen or felt because it was like glasses for my brain. And I can still remember like watching a TV show one time, like right, just right after starting to take the medication. And it was like going into like a tunnel vision almost where I, it felt like, a, like I was in a movie because someone was trying to get my attention. It was like, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. And I'm like, oh, oh, what? And um, whereas normally I'm super distractible, it was like I was locked in. Um, so wow. yeah, I'll stop wow. there and, and take a breath for a minute. Wow. You know, I, I wrote on my Instagram, I wrote something once about that punishing a student with ADHD is no different than punishing a student who is blind for not being able to see the board. Mm-hmm. And that was something that um, it seemed like a lot of people resonated with because it's so clear. It's so clear. And I see so many kids They're they're like you mentioned the shame part that happened. Oh, man around that part. And one little guy I'm seeing right now, I'm talking to about medication. He's still not open to it, but he's only 10, but it's his ADHD is so, so severe. And he and his parents and I were just trying to get him to see that. And, And I don't think I've used that metaphor exactly the same way you did. Maybe I'll have him listen to this conversation. And honestly, I would be happy to talk to him. And I know I'm older and everything, but it just like for the first time, I didn't have to get up and go do a whole bunch of things where normally I felt like this compulsion to I had to get up. But like, I literally sat there and typed my whole paper. I'm like, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I'm noticing a lot in clients and then of course, you know, in my son too, is you mentioned that compulsive piece about like, it seems to take so long just to go outside to get mm-hmm. in, to go on a walk even mm-hmm. because there's mm-hmm. a lot of readjusting like uh, sleeves and then just this collar doesn't feel quite right. And then I got to do this and then I kind of have to do that. And so I'm learning more and more as I'm walking beside my clients who some of them I see outside because of the pandemic and we may go on a walk and sure but it seems like it is this you know it's it's like a lot and I always attribute it mostly to sensory issues but but maybe there's say more about the compulsive part that you notice is is a lot of it how things feel on you Ryan um it's it's a little bit about that but I know that there's definitely some, some like tactile things for some people, but for me, it's more about, I like to have my shirt tucked in a certain way. And then if it's cold outside and I'm wearing gloves, I like to put on my gloves before I put it through my coat sleeves, because then my coat like holds my gloves on. And then I don't feel the wind like blowing in there. 
But then if I end up having to take off my gloves and I'm feeling the wind, that's just annoying to me. Cause I think it's more around like distractibility. Um, then if I'm walking around and like, all I can think about is this wind, this breeze that's coming in through my arm. Um, I don't, this is the first time I'm even talking through this, but I think it's more of just like getting it all sorted out ahead of time. Um, but even to this day in, you know, I'm married now, I have two kids and when we're trying to leave for something, I am almost always the last one out of the house. And there's like a little bit of shame associated with that because I really want to try to help my wife to get everybody ready and get myself ready. And I, I still almost feel like my dad, like, where are you? Like, like yelling, like, Ryan, let's go. We got to leave. Um, and my wife feels the same way, but that gets back to time blindness for ADHD ears. And I'm not to switch the subject from like, even hearing you talk about the wind with your sleeve, mm -hmm. I understand because neurotypicals or at least many of them, well, I'll just speak for myself. I don't have any ordering I need to put on my gloves or my jacket or so when I can just throw it all on, I just, no big deal, but I see my son and I see him kind of messing with things, mm -hmm. doing different things. And I'll say like, is this like OCD? Like what is happening? Cause we're very close. And mm -hmm. he's just like, it just has to be the way it has to be. Mm -hmm. I just have to have mm -hmm. things like this. And they 100%. comfortable. I'm so happy because I know we can walk for a ways and it'll be like this really, but, but there's just a lot more stuff going on that well, he's maneuvering. You mentioned something about Will earlier about like the tag. Yeah. Tags and I, no way. Like my tag, my clothes are either all tagless or I have detagged them myself because that will just drive me insane. That's a tactile thing, but it's like talk about distracting um, if there's ever like a thread that's poking me or something like that, it's like, I can't, I can't deal with that. And then one other thing too, that I've, I, I didn't notice it for a long time, but I have, a, and one of my friends who's a therapist told me, she's like, Oh, you have an oral fixation. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that sounds really weird. But what, what is that? <laughs> and basically like when I was younger, um, I was a thumb sucker. Okay. So I think that that plays into it, but if I am not talking and I'm just like checking email or watching TV or whatever, I tend to chew like on my lip. You know, like some people are like finger pickers or finger yeah, biters. Yeah. My thing is like I chew on my lip yeah. until I will like chew a hole in my lip. And so unless, and it's like, I know I'm doing it, but it's almost like I can't stop. So I need to have like gum or like a pen cap or something yeah. that I'm like, so yeah, so it's like there are certain things where I, I know that there's a lot of blurred lines between some of the um, sidekicks, as I like to call them. Others would call them comorbidities. I'd call them sidekicks, like sidekick. OCD. I love sidekick, that yeah. name. Yeah, OCD, like, hey, come on, you can come too. Um, because I consider, and this gets into kind of my story as into adulthood, I consider ADHD to be my superpower. Yeah. Um, so those are just kind of my sidekicks, like OCD. So while that can be annoying because it takes a while to get out the door in this case, it also is really good on things like, I mean, you saw that in action where I want to have things a certain way. And like when it comes to serving my clients as a coach, I'm very OCD about like, I want to send them notes after a call or I want to check in with them to make sure they're good. So there, there can be good things to this. It's just when it gets a little out of control. I love that. And you did that to me. 
Mm-hmm. When I was telling you something I, about a previous talk I'd just done, I think I did two in the same day. I did a different mm-hmm. talk and I couldn't see any of the people in the audience. It was just me talking to myself. Right. And you said something to me. I mentioned it. You said, how are you? And I said, great. This one thing was kind of a bummer. And you said, hey, I'm going to coach you for a second. I'm going to turn that around. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what you said, but you basically said you got practice for today or something that mm-hmm. was really uplifting. And uh, yeah. I, I think it was something around you were hoping to prepare something a little bit more like, oh, I didn't have a chance to yeah. fill in the blank, whatever it was. And I, I just reminded you that you were brought to the conference for a reason. People really, they want to hear from you. And they're not even going to notice whatever this thing is that you're talking about. And if you're thinking about that, that's not going to help you at all. So just focus on serving the people in front of you and the rest will kind of take care of itself. It was probably something like that. It was. It was something like that. Yeah. You were going to talk about time blindness. Yeah. This is a challenge that I, I really like a phrase that I, heard, I first heard at the, the International ADHD Conference two years ago. And I've heard it a lot since then. But pills don't give you the skills or something like that, pills and the skills. So in other words, okay, yes, I take a prescription now to help to balance the chemistry in my brain for my ADHD, but that doesn't mean I'm just going to be cured um, because it is a chronic challenge. And every day I struggle with time management. So I'll give an example. Back in high school, when I was talking about that, it was always, I knew we'd have to leave at, I think it was like uh, 720 or something like that to get to school. Well, I always know that. And my, and I have the best intentions, despite what my parents would have thought that like, I'm trying to be ready by 720. When I think about like, okay, I have to, you know, wake up, get dressed, brush my teeth, eat breakfast. What like, okay, here's how much time it'll take. I'll be fine. But undoubtedly like ADDers, we just don't, we can't grasp how long something will actually take. Yeah. So in my mind, I might think like, okay, eat breakfast. What, five minutes? He eats some cereal, you eat it, whatever. But really, it's like by the time you get out the cereal and decide which one you want, and then you get the bowl, and then you get the milk, and you get the, and then you eat, and then, oh, don't forget to clean your dish. Okay, well, like that's going to take more than five minutes. So nowadays, what I struggle with is I'm on calls with clients. So as a, an ADHD mindset and accountability coach, I have scheduled calls with clients to uh, help to manage this. I purposely schedule my appointments for 45 minutes in case I go over so that I don't go into another person's, another the next client's time frame. So my goal is always to finish my call in 45 minutes, but there are times when I blow right past that because the person is talking about something that's yeah. I feel very important for them to process before we end the call but just putting things in place to help me to get around it. Yeah. One other example that I think the folks that are listening could, this could help them teaming up with someone. And what do I mean by that? So I have accountability buddies for everything. You do everything. So for example, every morning I text uh, five people that are very close to me. The three things that I'm trying to get done that day. So I call it my MVPs. Cause I remember I mentioned earlier that I enjoy sports. So MVPs, but 
for me, the MVPs stand for most valuable priorities. And so I, the, the way that that helps me at the end of the day, one of the things that I have to do is, so I work from home and my wife and kids speaking of, I have to look to see, it looks like one of my kids might be waking up. Oh yeah. She is waking up. Okay. Um, I'm, could we have a, could we maybe have a cameo on this? Would that work? Yes. Can I, can I go get her and have her say hi? Get her. Go get her. All right. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm talking to your dad. Um, Lila, you want to say hi? Can you wave? Say hi. So um, I have accountability buddies for everything. Right. So one of the things that I have to do as a dad is be ready for Lila and her brother and my wife to get home. Dr. Ned Hollowell, who many people on, on this may know. you. you He's my friend. With. He endorsed my book. He has that phrase that I love so much that people with ADHD have Ferrari brains and bicycle brakes. Right. But when I am in the zone, like for example, giving an interview and my child is crying in the other room, I don't notice right away. (laughs) Um, So in in this case, uh, it's every day at the end of work, I need to be out of my home office, which is right next door here in the next room to get downstairs to start warming up the food, setting the table, getting everything ready for everyone to get home. But what I continually struggle with is stopping. There's no one physically holding me captive in my office, but I can't tell you how many times my wife has come home and I'm still upstairs working. Right. And it's, there's so much shame involved oh. in it where it's like, cause she does so much for our family and it's really hard to try to explain to her, why am I still not ready? Yeah. And so it all comes down to our brains as ADDers really struggle knowing when to stop and how to stop. So yeah. you mentioned something earlier that, that really hit me, which is tell the student who can't see, well, you know, just try looking harder. Um, that's like the other part of that is when a lot of people will say to an ADHD student or whatever that someone won't do something. Yes. It's will they won't or they can't. I love that, that you're saying that. Because for me, I just understand that I am, I can't stop working on my own. I don't do a good job of it. So I'll set alarms. I'll do all kinds of things. You see my hat? What is this? You say hat? She normally likes to take it off. So what I've done now is I've enlisted a couple people that right around five o'clock, if they haven't heard from me, they will text me or call me and say, hey, you ready to go downstairs yet? And so it's so powerful because there is a, a deeply rooted instinctual thing in us called the mirror neuron where yes. you want to do what others are doing mm-hmm. and you don't want to let down someone who you've made a promise to. Right. So like, obviously, I don't want to let down my wife. It sounds bad, but my random friend who... I tell him I'm going to go downstairs that yeah. to me is like more urgent in my brain because yeah. I don't want to ruin my, my reputation. Yes. So that's a technique for some of your, your students or your clients, patients that that's been a huge help just getting an accountability partner. An accountability partner. Well, Ryan, I have one for writing. I meet with her every Friday morning virtually and we talk about what we're writing and she really prompted me to press my podcast. She was like, Catherine, <laughs> 
Just contact, just keep, just make sure you do one a month. I mean, that's where you are right now. You enjoy it. People tell you they listen. Mm -hmm. Lila's listening to us. I want you before we go today, I am curious about this shame piece. Clearly you're here, you're telling me about the tools you're putting in place to lessen shame for yourself so that you can be more on track. I'm wondering if you have other thoughts on what has helped you with the shame piece. What else? Like what are your other like secrets for pushing shame to the curb? Absolutely. And I know uh, maybe we have all kinds of things we can talk about and maybe it would be a, another another visit to peer yeah. or something. But what I'll, just the very, very brief kind of synopsis um, professional career yeah. is in my career, my ADHD has, has crippled me. And that's just to put it very directly. Yeah. Um, I've actually been fired from two jobs. Yeah. And I have had accommodations that I have, gone through the necessary channels for um, and made the requests and they have been denied twice. Wow. So I just want to let people know that it's so important to get in a good place with yourself emotionally yeah. before you get into the working world. Your ADHD and your feelings, they, it doesn't go away. And I, I just always assumed, oh, well, my quick-witted, clever personality it's going to help me and I'll be fine. Well, it wasn't because you could be, the, you know, so clever in talking, but if you can't do the administrative part, then you can't do all the duties as assigned. Right. So, so the reason I bring that up is because your question in shame about shame, it actually has been a challenge for me, even honestly, just up until a few months ago, it's been there since seventh grade. I have carried this weight of shame through my whole life. And it's been really hard to come home yeah. To, be, to be with my family and not let that impact the way that I'm showing up as a dad. Like yes. when I'm getting reprimanded at my job for not doing the things I'm supposed to do, it's hard to be playing with your daughter and not thinking about how you're not doing your job right. And so to, to just kind of wrap it all up though, is what I realized, I wouldn't say it was rock bottom, but I think this is important for people to hear is I took a, an assessment and it said, can you say that you love yourself? And at one point, and this was only about three years ago, I said, no, I can't. And that it's, it's, it's painful to even say it now, but I really felt that way right. um, because I felt like I was a failure and that I would never do anything right. But the, the good news is that this story has a happy ending, and, and this is how I can bring it all back around, is I went to that ADHD conference that I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, and yeah. I finally found a group of people who understood and accepted me completely for who I am. They gave me the path that led me to get to coaching, where now I can use all the aspects of my personality. I'm doing it to help people, and I'm making a big difference in their lives every day. Yeah. And the thing that helped me to work through that shame was to realize that I'm not, there's a book out there. It's like, I'm not broken or stupid or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I just want to tell everyone who's listening, if you or your kids have ADHD, that does not mean you're lazy or stupid or dumb or a failure. And I needed somebody to tell me that, yeah. you know, for the last 10 years, I was judging myself 
based on the standards that are used for neurotypical brains. And so that's the biggest breakthrough I had, honestly, was realizing, well, of course, of course I can. There's a famous quote from Albert Einstein that says, if you judged a fish by how it could climb a tree, and of course, I don't remember the rest of the quote, but it's basically like- I know that quote though. I know that quote. I can't finish it either. Yeah. Fish are not meant to climb trees. And I was a fish who kept trying to climb these trees and it didn't work. But now that I'm coaching, I, it's like someone threw me into the pond and I'm like, whoa, now I can do everything I ever wanted. I can swim in circles. I can jump out. It's great. Well, I want you to tell people how they can get a hold of you as yeah. a coach. So I specialize in working with adults, but really the mission of my coaching practice, which is Ryan Mayer Coaching, yes. and it's the RyanMayerCoaching.com to, okay. to find me, um, is I want to help people who have gone through the same journey I have. And so whether you're a high school student or a college student, I would say like, you know, typically college students through um, any adult. Yeah. I'm helping people to reconnect with their strengths to figure out what are those things that are great about them that they might've forgotten. Yes. And I like to say that I am a beacon of hope that there is a chance that they can do well. And I'm a keeper of dreams. So just like you see Lila and our son, who's three and a half, like they have so much fun. And, and we as adults, we just get way too boring and get yes. caught up in, in the day-to-day -day grind of things. And so I help my clients to snap out of that and help to get them on track towards the best version of themselves. So I would love to, to have a conversation with anyone who I could, could help to do that. Thank you so much for listening to Finding Your Brilliance. Again, I'm your host, Catherine Quee. And today I spoke with Ryan Mayer, who is a mindset and accountability coach. And just remember that we each have our own brilliance. Sometimes it just takes a while to find it.